Hey, it's Amber Smith. Welcome to the Conscious Coach Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Conscious Coach Podcast. I am really excited to be back. I um, went to my own mastermind last week with Samantha Siffring, and it's called the Simple Scaling Mastermind because I am working on growing the matrix, and I'm really excited, and it was beautiful. So we met in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and we stayed at the Four Seasons, and it was incredible, (laughs) like very luxurious, very awesome. It was super fun. Um, I really enjoyed kind of having some time away. I love my family and don't get me wrong, but sometimes it's nice to have a little break and to really think about business. And for me, I work a lot in my business. Um, like many of you, I am busy coaching and creating content, but it was really nice to work on my business, to think like a CEO, to think at a high level about where I'm going and my vision, to think about some of the things that I'm refining and making better, um, And I made some really powerful decisions about what's to come. And so I'm really excited to kind of execute on that and get back into work. So today we're talking about fill your calendar with marketing. And this is, (laughs) this is a good one for all of us, right? It's not just one phase of your business. I think marketing evolves over time. Like when you're a beginning coach, I think a lot of what you do is, you know, trying to get one-on-one clients. If you have group programs, you know, you have to think a little bit differently about marketing. If you're fully booked, you think a little bit differently about your wait list or whatever. Um, but we are always marketing because marketing is the lifeblood of our business. This is how we fill our pipeline with new clients. This is how we nurture people to eventually pay us, even if they don't pay us right away. (laughs) Right. And so when I was thinking about, um, what I've done in my business to, to market and to, um, be a six-figure scaling to seven-figure entrepreneur. I I have always developed a really powerful and great relationship with marketing, and I think that a lot of coaches fall into the trap, right? Where you want to coach, and if you want to be an entrepreneur, a lot of people don't realize how much they really underestimate how much they need to think about and become excellent marketers. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And so when I was thinking about being a brand new coach, I think I just intuitively understood, like I had to fill my calendar with marketing activities. Um, Early on in my business, I was really grateful that I found Russell Brunson. You guys know I love him. And he talks about marketing a lot. And so I just kind of was really grateful. I just understood I had to market. And so I kind of want to talk about what I did as a brand new coach, because I think that a lot of people underestimate what it actually takes, like grassroots marketing to create clients, right? You see people who are making seven figures or who are scaling doing certain things. But if you want to sign one-on-one clients, you kind of have to go grassroots. And so when I was brand new, I had two babies. I had like a two-year-old and a baby. That's how I started my business. And so I didn't have that much time. But one of the thoughts that I really, that really served me is that I have 15 minutes and 15 minutes is enough to create clients. And so in those 15 minutes, I was very intentional and I did three things. I called it 15 and 15. And I don't think I've ever talked about this. I would try to reach 15 people in 15 minutes. So this is what I would do. I would, um, five people I followed or followed me I would engage with them either in a DM conversation, I would respond to their story, I would like their picture, 
or I would, you know, respond to a comment that they made, whatever. But five people that I followed and that followed me, I would engage with them in some way. The next thing I would do is I would leave five comments on bigger accounts of people that were commenting on their posts. For example, I used to go to, let's say, Rachel Hollis, and I would go to one of her posts, and I would find a comment on her post, and I would respond to it. So I was not interacting with Rachel Hollis. I was responding and interacting with people that followed her because I identified if people are following Rachel Hollis, they probably would like a life coach. And so I would interact with them and build value. And I wasn't really attached to whether they responded or whether they followed me. I just did that every day. Five comments on new people or five comments on new, like new accounts, new interactions with people I didn't know. And then the next thing I would do is I would do five story replies. So I'd go to five people that were following me and reply to their story. And so by doing this, five people, like I would gauge on their posts, five people, I'd make a comment and they're new. So there's people that I didn't know, people that weren't following me. I would comment on their comment. And then five story replies of people who were following me. I did this every single day and I could do this in 15 minutes. And I promise it led to more conversations than any of my posts or my content did. And this is really powerful for you to know, like you don't want to get lost in the sea. You really want to focus on that grassroots relationship building. If you're trying to sign one-on-one clients, right? The one-on-one clients very rarely comes from a piece of content. I think content engages people. I think it's a introduction. I think it's a way for people to understand what, how, what you stand for and how you think, but it's the conversations that lead to the consultations. And so what's interesting about this is when I was new, I prioritized these things more than my own content. I prioritized reaching out to people more than a post. And it's not like I stopped posting. It's just that my priority was real engagement with real people. And that deeply served me when I was trying to sign one-on-one clients. And I still do this, to be really honest. I still engage one-on-one. I think content plays a bigger role for my business now, now that I'm scaling and having group programs and things like that. But when I was doing one-on-one coaching only, like this was the thing that made me very um, successful at signing clients is real people, real conversations, inviting them into my like DMs, right? In a way that felt good and safe, not scary, yucky, sneaky, right? I think you have to be a real human. I don't think this conversation is about like be a gross, yucky, cold DMer. I think you have to come from the right place, which we're talking about in the matrix right now, which is having an abundant heart, right? Coming from service and non-attachment. Like you don't need them to say anything to you. You don't need them to respond. You're just out there initiating relationships. And this is what's missing for a lot of people. When I see or hear coaches who are struggling, what I've noticed is that they're like creating a lot of content, but they're not initiating relationships. And content is one way we initiate relationships, but they're missing kind of the the more intense, I guess more intense, the more direct way of initiating conversations, which is responding to stories and DMing people, making comments on their content Um, more of like the riskier, I guess, um, action taking, but that's what it takes to sign high level clients or at least one-on-one clients. Because for, in, in my experience, most people are pretty skeptical, right? So by kind of breaking the ice by your action through your initiating, um, that's how we kind of bridge the bridge the gap of content and real human, right? We want to be a real human to our clients. And so those are the things that I did. 
Um, my focus was to create as many conversations with people as I could. I still do that. Like I said, it's just in a different way. And so if you're a coach that's looking to sign more one-on-one clients, how many conversations have you had in the past week? Like, and I'm not talking about like responding to someone saying, oh, your baby's so cute. I mean like real coaching conversations because I bet I could predict how many clients you have based on how many real conversations you've been having with people um, online or offline too. both work because coaching creates, I mean, conversations create clients, especially coaching conversations where you are positioning yourself as someone who can help. This is not like I'm a friend. I think that happens to a lot of coaches. They're trying to have, um, you know, awesome conversations, but they're positioning themselves like a friend instead of as someone who can help. Um, as someone who's an expert and you don't want to be friend zoned by potential clients, right? You don't want to be commiserating with them. You don't want them to see them at, see you as a peer. Um, you can be friendly, but you still want to have that, that focus on I'm here to help you. I am here because I can help you. That's a very different positioning than, oh yeah, like things are hard for me too. Right. I, I struggle with time management too. If you're a time management coach, right? Like you want to be positioning yourself as someone who can help as like a guide for them in your conversations. And so I think that that's helpful to think through, um, all, all the things that I just shared are gold. Like if you actually do them, right, this isn't just theory. If you actually apply everything that I just shared, I promise you will be signing clients because people want to be seen. I actually taught this in the art of deep coaching. Um, that people want to be seen and understood. And if you can give them that attention, they'll be way more likely to be intrigued by what you do than just your content on the internet floating around. And so if you're working on signing one-on-one clients, like I recommend those three things. Comment on people who follow you, comment on other people's accounts to kind of initiate colder relationships and do the five-story replies. Those things move my business forward way more than my own content did. Now, I think the combination was really powerful, right? So I think the reason that we have content that we create is like when you go out and comment or create relationships with people, they're going to come look at who you are. That's why we create content so that when people come look at you, you can continue to nurture the relationship with them. And so I did want to make a quick comment on what do you, how do you um, use your platform to nurture relationships? And so I'm going to talk about content here, add relevant and specific value, And this takes some slowing down and really thinking what your ideal client is going through. Um, What you don't want is to be so generic that you're just like the thing that comes to me. I actually got told this once that I was a very generic like coffee book table book, right? Like you'd see my content, you're like, oh, that's nice. And it's just not appealing or intriguing to my ideal clients. And so you want to be adding very specific and relevant value that like, when they see your post, they're like, this is helpful to me right now. Um, and so one of the things that I, I see, you don't want to be just quoting other people. Um, I did that for a period of time and I realized like no one wants to read quotes that I read. They want to hear my stories. And so that's like the next thing is share stories, testimonials, thoughts, and inspiration from your own life and your own experience with clients. Because that's something that no one can take away from you, right? Like if you share a quote from a famous person, I can do that too. What makes us different, right? But if I share a story that of where I coach my client, right? No one can compare to that because it was me with a client. Like that was a one in a once in a lifetime experience that I had because only I experienced that and only I coach that way, right? So I really like sharing stories or client insights because that is uniquely mine. Um, and then the next 
piece that I want to share is yes, share what you're learning, but more importantly, share what you're teaching because that positions you as an authority expert guide instead of I'm just like you, right? As coaches, this is like a very big um, problem in our industry. You don't want to position yourself as a peer because no one's going to want to hire you. This is a little bit of tough love, but I think it's really important to understand why you might not be getting clients is you've been positioning yourself as a peer or as an equal, like not equal. Like I, I, I do believe we're equal as souls, right? But when we position ourselves as a coach, we are also positioning ourselves as a guide, as someone who knows more about their problem. And you have to be comfortable with that. That is why people are going to hire you. You don't want to commiserate with your clients. You want to lead them. You don't want to be seen as their friend. You want to be seen as their coach. And so share what you're teaching your clients. Don't only share what you're learning. And that can take some time to really develop. But I think that's a huge distinguisher between successful coaches and not successful coaches is the not successful coaches are sharing what they're learning as a client and successful coaches are sharing what they're teaching and what they've embodied and what they've mastered and what they're helping other people learn. It positions themselves as the expert. And to be really honest, I have had this conversation with many of you who will be listening through this episode that we have resistance to being the expert or the authority because we're not taught to think like this, right? We are trained to be employees. We're trained to follow. We're trained to follow a system or a way of doing things. We're trained to get A's on tests instead of being the leader. Like the thing that comes to me is like in the classroom, we're trained to be sitting in the student chair. And when you're on entrepreneurship, like you need to be thinking, how do I stand at the front of the classroom and teach? You have to be creating the tests, not taking the tests, if that makes sense. And so you have to see yourself as the expert, as the authority, as the, as the guide, instead of the person in the student chair. And this takes some, some practice because at first you're going to be like, I am not this person. You're going to experience some imposter syndrome and that's okay. Marketing, part of marketing means positioning yourself in a different way than you've ever talked about yourself before. Because think about this, like when you're in grade school or middle school or even high school, your role in life is the learner. You are meant to learn from people ahead of you. You are not weak, but you don't know enough. So you are, your role in life is to learn even in college and then at jobs, right? Then we get into the workforce and we're like, I am the employee. I work for someone else. I do what they say. I try to add value based on what they want and what their vision is. And that's great. Like that, that serves a purpose for sure. We need good employees in our world. But when you enter the world of entrepreneurship, you have to be the boss. You have to be the one that's helping. You have to be the one that's innovating and guiding and deciding. And that's a different frame of mind than the employee. And my favorite way to think about this is from abundance, right? You guys know, I love talking about this. Um, when we focus on service, when we focus on what we have to offer and how we can help, we automatically position ourselves as the guide. This doesn't have to be, I'm better than you, or I know more than you and have this like superiority complex. That's not what this is about. This is about understanding that you have a lot of value to add. And when you think about how you can help people, like I said, it automatically positions you as authority because you are trying to help someone. You're standing on the metaphorical hill saying, I can help you. And just by doing that, people will see you as someone, as like a guide expert instead of, oh, we're friends. Oh, you're just like me. 
you do not want that as a coach because people hire coaches to lead them and to help them think differently. You don't have to be better than them. That's not what it is. It's just positioning yourself as someone who can help instead of someone who can you can commiserate with. And so for me, using my platform to nurture relationships this way is about positioning myself as someone like a guide, not as we're, we're on the same boat. I think in some ways we are in the same boat, but not if you're going to hire me. If you're going to hire me, it's because I can help you. And doing that from a place of love and overflow and, and truly serving them, it's really easy. You don't have to even have thoughts like, I know more than them. It really is about, I can help you. And I, th- I spend my time thinking about how I can help you. That's like, truly think about that for you. You spend your time thinking about your clients and how you can help them. This is why we create content. This is why we engage in conversations that are service focused. This is why we have podcasts and Instagram pages and email lists. It's because we think about how we can help other people and we happen to get paid for it, <laughs> right? And so I think remembering that and positioning yourself as the authority doesn't have to be this daunting thing. It really can be about service. And by doing that, you automatically position yourself as a way, as a, as a resource for your clients and as someone that they want to exchange their money for your services. So we've talked a lot about like kind of the tactical things that I think through in marketing as a coach. Um, obviously the most important one is having conversations. I think that this is a really underrated way, um, to grow your business. I think the combination of what we just talked about, like having conversations and create using your content to create a platform of service and value is the one, two punch combo that will get you to six figures and beyond. I really, really believe that. So the next thing that I want to talk about is more of like the mindset that I think about marketing in, and that is that it is non-negotiable. I do not, um, I guess, put marketing on the back burner. It is one of the most important things to my business still. Even when I'm fully booked, like I'm still marketing because marketing is, like I said at the very beginning of this podcast episode, episode, it is the lifeblood of my business and yours. And so I do make it non-negotiable. It is non-negotiable for me to be creating content, to be recording this podcast, to be emailing, to be thinking about how I'm going to reach new people. In fact, one of the things that I'm really working on now, this is a shameless plug for you guys, um, is reaching new audiences. And so because I'm trying to scale the matrix and, and grow that and serve more people, growing my audience has become more important. But it was not important to me when I was trying to hit my first six figures. That's really important, I think, as a new coach. I wasn't trying to necessarily grow my audience when I was trying to sign my first five clients. I was trying to be grassroots, like helping people in conversations, getting them on a phone call or Zoom call with me. There's phases of marketing, but underneath it all, it's always been non-negotiable, right? At every phase of my business, marketing has been essential and non-negotiable for me. That might look different for you. Like I have clients that are on LinkedIn or Um, only do word of mouth referral, but marketing looks different for them, but they still do it, right? They're still engaging with real people. They're still following up. They're still um, having conversations. They're still creating a pipeline of new clients coming into their world. This is how we have a sustainable growing business and not one that stagnates and dies, right? It is marketing. The other thing that is really important is that I don't always have to feel good to market. I do not wait to feel blissful, joyful, to engage in marketing activities. And that has deeply served me as well, because I think sometimes, especially in like the more feminine energy space, 
We talk about alignment and I believe in alignment, but I don't wait to feel aligned to get marketing stuff done. And this can look like creating a post that with a bare minimum value requirement. And I want to kind of talk about that. I do have bare minimums in my business. Sometimes I have amazing posts that are very inspirational and profound and valuable. And other times it's just a good thought. And I just know that that's enough to serve someone today. I have a really powerful thought. And I I taught this in the matrix with you guys. If you're listening in, in the matrix, I said, my imperfect messy action is enough to change someone's life. Sometimes that's enough to just publish something that's focused on value, that's focused on service, and you get it out into the world. And other times it's going to be really profound and amazing and have like thought leadership where like it's an original idea or it's a framework or something like that. But not all your content has to be like that. Not all your content has to be this brand new, never before heard idea for your clients. Sometimes it's just them seeing your face or your name with value added to their life that that's enough to nurture the relationship. I've had clients, this is really important, I think for everyone, clients that have followed me for years before they ever paid me. And I was good with that. I've also had clients that have found me and within two weeks paid me to work with me one-on-one. That happens. I'm just not attached to my marketing, creating either or kind of result because I'm in this for the long run. And that's another mindset thing that I have about marketing is that I'm here for the long run. I am not in this for short wins. I am in this for the long-term life of my business because I really see my coaching career as something that I'll probably do for life. I don't know, at least for the next five to 10 years, um, I see myself growing this thing. And so I am not attached to quick wins. I'm, I'm really interested in long-term relationships with you guys and with my clients. And for the most part, that's pretty true. I've had clients that have been in my world going on three years, like where they've been paying me as their one-on-one coach. I think that's really cool. And I don't take that lightly. I've also had clients that are new and come in for six months and then they leave. And that's perfect. I kind of think of that, um, that, what is it called? Idiom? Not idiom. That, that phrase that we say, like friends for a reason, friends for a season and friends for life. Clients are the same way, right? I've, I've had clients that are here for a reason. They have a very specific thing that they want to work on together. I kind of think of that as like project-based work, right? They hire me because they want to launch a group or they want to raise their prices. Um, and then I have friends or clients that come in for a season. Maybe we work together for six months or a year. And it was great, a great fit for that time. And then I have other clients that like, I'm, I'm a lifer. I'm with you for life. And I'm like, that's great. (laughs) And I love them all. And I don't try to manipulate how people or why people buy for me. And that makes my marketing sustainable because I'm not attached to it working right now. I love when it works right now, but I know I'm showing up no matter what, adding value, doing this podcast, um, serving my clients, answering, you know, emails and, thinking of ideas on how to serve you. I'm not really attached to you hiring me today. Although if you want to, (laughs) just kidding. Um, but not really, if you did want to hire me, let me know. But I think, (laughs) I think that's kind of funny, but, um, anyway, like I'm not attached to that, right? I don't need it to work today. I know that relationships are nurtured with time and value, value plus time equals relationship, right? And so for me, I'm interested in the long-term relationship. I'm interested in your long-term success. So it doesn't need to work today. I think that a lot of people give up way too soon. And that's why I have that saying that I'm here until it works. 
And that's how marketing has to, to work, right? We want to fail forward and we want to fail in ways where we can get data to make better marketing decisions. But the underlying theme of that is that you're here until this works, right? You're not going to show up. And if it works, you'll keep showing up. But if it doesn't, you disappear. You'll be like a lot of people who burn out in the industry. And I don't want that for you. I want you to have a sustainable business where you're here a long time. Some of your clients come for a reason. Some of them come for a season and some of them stay for life and all are welcome. And some people will never pay you. And that that's part of marketing too right? I think about Tony Robbins. I don't, uh, I guess I bought his books. Okay. He's not a good example. I'm trying to think of someone else. Okay. There's a good one. Brooke Castillo. I've never paid that woman a cent. I've never given her any money, but she has profoundly changed my life. And I think if I were to talk to her in person, she would say that's what she wants. She understands that a large percentage of the people who follow her, who learn from her, don't pay her. And that's part of marketing, right? And you're, the more comfortable you are with that, I think the more secure you're going to feel with adding value and not always getting paid for it. I have this just true belief that when I add value, value comes back and I don't always have to predict or know how it's going to come back to me. And that's how I feel about marketing. And this is interesting because when you study direct response marketing, right, where you put something out and you get immediate data, like I think that there's value in that too, especially like when you're in a launch or when you're testing specific types of content and you want an immediate response, let's say, Um, you put a Facebook post out about a new one-on-one offer and you want them to respond right away and no one does, right? That's valuable data for you. What I'm talking about this longer term marketing as well. And I think the wisest people do a combination of both, right? Marketing for the future and marketing for now. Um, just like anything, right? We have that mindset for most things. When I eat a salad for lunch, I'm thinking about how I'm going to feel this afternoon. I'm going to feel light and taken care of. But I'm also thinking about the long-term health, right? If I eat salads and vegetables over a long period of time, I'm going to live a healthy life. And so I think that's how I think about marketing is I want a healthy cash flow now, but I also want a healthy cash flow in the future. And so I, I think through that on the kinds of posts that I make, right? Sometimes it's, I'm not selling anything and I'm just adding value. And then sometimes I am selling something now and I kind of rotate. And most people do this rotation where they're selling now and selling for later, through valuable posts. And I think that a healthy business does that often. And so as you think through your marketing plans and how you're filling your calendar with marketing, um, I think that that's helpful to think through. Like sometimes you just create value and you don't need them to respond right away. But other times you need to make a powerful call to action for them to hire you now. And that's the way you do business, right? That combination of marketing now, marketing for now and marketing for later. And that's just a true principle. One of the things that I like my clients to think through and look for are true principles. And that's how I want to end this episode is like the true principles of marketing um, because there's always true principles in everything in life. And to me, that is my North Star for most of my decision-making. I look for the true principles and I look for people who can help me with the true principles. And so, I mean, this is true for eating, right? There's true principles of health. There's true principles of money. And one of the true principles for most things is, and like, if you want to have success in most things, you have to acknowledge for now and for the future, right? When we make decisions with money, it has to make sense for now and for the future. When we make make decisions about relationships, it has to be good for now and good for later. And we get into trouble when we only do things that are good for now. And we also get into trouble if we only do things that are good for the future. 
and not that service for the now. I think the best decisions are good now and later, right? And so this looks for marketing specific specifically, this looks like building and nurturing relationships consistently. It means adding value. It means making offers, right? Maybe it's the offer doesn't always have to be to pay you. The offer could be, hey, share this podcast. Hey, guys, share this podcast. Um, the offer can also be join my email list, reach out to me about a consultation, um, reach out to me about scheduling, you know, your emotional processing call, whatever. Marketing can also be like, hey, pay me $10,000 for my six month of coaching. Both are powerful offers and I recommend having a variety of offers that you make. But one of the most powerful principles I know is that you have to add value and make offers. That is marketing 101, right? And throwing out lots of varieties is a way for you to figure out and gauge what your clients want from you. Um, It also helps you understand how to be a better copywriter, which is something we're gonna be talking more about on this podcast, is using your words to sell is a skill set. It is not an innate trait that you're born with, right? Some of you think you're bad copywriters and you just accept that as your fate. And what I know to be true is that everything that we talked about in this podcast, you can develop, you can grow into. This is not something that is in your DNA. This is something that you practice. Marketing, copywriting, sales, leading conversations, making powerful decisions are all skills. And skills can be practiced and then mastered. And so you can become a master marketer. You do not just have to be an amazing coach. You can be both. You can be both an amazing marketer and an amazing coach. And I'm going to give you, tell you a secret. The coaches that make the most money. Notice I did not say the best coaches. I said the coaches that make the most money have both. They're amazing coaches and they're making amazing marketers. And so for me, I've always been interested in both. I want to be an amazing coach. I want to blow my clients' minds. And I know the only way that I can get them to hire me is if I'm also really a powerful marketer by adding value, by making calls to action, by offering things and evaluating if it's working or not and improving over time. That is my business plan in a nutshell, by the way. (laughs) I'm improving things over time, becoming a better coach, becoming a better marketer and thinking like a CEO is like my business plan right now. And so I hope this was helpful. I hope you fill your calendar with marketing. If you don't know what to do, create marketing, right? content, relationships, conversations, especially if you're trying to get one-on-one clients, um, creating opportunities for new people, right? Reaching new audiences and marketing to them and always trying to fill your pipeline by serving, right? Positioning yourself as the guide serving that is marketing, make it a non-negotiable and watch your business like take off. If you've been feeling like your cash flow isn't awesome, if you've been feeling like you don't know where your next client is coming from, Follow this simple pattern of add more value, meet more people, make more offers, and repeat. Be consistent with that. You will blow your mind with what's possible. And it is that simple. I think a lot of people are looking for the complicated answer because we glorify busyness, but it doesn't have to be busy. It doesn't have to be complicated. Marketing can be simple where you compound it with your time and energy of service. Like that's where the fun get started is when you get to experience the compound effect where people are popping like popcorn in your audience ready to buy from you. So I hope this was helpful. Please fill your calendar with marketing. I think um, I love marketing because it truly is about serving people who haven't paid you yet. And that's kind of fun to think about. Okay. I'll see you in another episode. Bye. Hey, if you love this podcast, I know you'd love the matrix where I coach, teach, and mentor entrepreneurs like you. 
about what I call the art of entrepreneurship. It really is the year of miracles, where we combine business strategy with doing the inner work, where you take your business to the next level. Check it out and join the waitlist at itsambersmith.com forward slash matrix.